want to thank God once again for being in the midst of God's people and being in the midst of Calvary Christian Fellowship. Amen. I thank God for the leadership of this house. I thank God for Apostle Nazario and Pastor Gwen Nazario and the ministers and the elders and the deacons and all those that put their hands to the plow to allow the finishing work what God's doing in the region here. Good morning. Good morning to you. Is everyone all right this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. How many people love God? Amen. You know, I, I ask that because I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what God is doing. And I love God. And I, I think you all love God as well. There are some dynamics going on. And um, it's never comfortable to give a second portion of a message. Because you then have to manage it based on what you said before. But God is an, a moving God. He's, he's, he's not a, a God that sits still. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But because we don't know all of him, every time we go in, in time, we find out more about God than what we knew before. So though he's not changing, we be, be get into an understanding where we understand more about God than we did yesterday. Does that make sense? Amen. You, you, you have a friend and you know more about a friend tomorrow than you do yesterday because of the experiences of that life that you have with that friend and the times you have between yesterday and today. And today and tomorrow. Amen. Does that make sense? And so what you knew about God yesterday is built on the foundation of what you stand on. But what you go into tomorrow will be what God has not yet revealed to you. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. And so I don't know what God is doing. I don't profess to know what God is doing. I just know that I need to be a vessel to keep myself emptied out that he can pour into me so I can release out when he calls me to release it out. And he's called me to release it out in this house for this moment, in this season and time. I've listened to everything that was being spoken about today. And I'm, you know, trying to hear what God is doing, what God is saying strategically. You have to understand that everything that Pastor Nazario, Apostle Nazario has been speaking about in terms of timing is not based on the fact that, it, let me explain something to you. You are not in that building because of finances. You are not there because uh, uh, circumstances may not have met the way you wanted it to. You're not there because God has not set the time based on what he wants to do for that environment and this environment, what he's doing. You're operating God's set strategic time. Amen. 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 I said you're operating God's set and strategic timing. Amen. I want you to understand that, that God does everything based on seasons and times. I think the last time I was here, I shared with you that, that we cannot answer God's promise with a human response. Ishmael was a human response to what God promised. I think I said that last time I was here, right? Meaning that we try to put a human touch to what God had spoken as if we need to back God up by our actions. And we can't back God up by our actions saying, God, I'm going to help you out with this promise. What we can back God up is by our obedience to his word. And when we operate in the obedience of his word, then we can be, begin to, to see God manifest. And so what I'm saying is that, is that you are set in time to go into that building based on what God has spoken. And what he gives to Apostle Nazario is things to kind of encourage you and exalt you to move and press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's what the word says in Philippians, amen? Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. Not just the calling, but a high calling. Do you want a calling? Do you want a 
high calling. God bless you, woman of God. How you doing? Amen. I asked a question. I said, do you want a calling or a high calling? Thank you. That's, I, don't, I mean, maybe someone don't want to get in on this. I mean, that's fine. I don't need your response to actually do what God's going to do, because God's going to do what he's going to do, whether you respond to it or not. Apostle Zara spoke about responsibility, which actually is a compound word. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. This woman of God, warrior for the kingdom and a military woman in the army of God. Amen. But also guarding our country. Amen. If I'm correct. Correct. Amen. So she understands that when you respond to ability, you're actually operating your responsibility. We suggest then that your ability is already within you, but you have to respond to the ability inside of you that God placed inside of you for you to respond to. That's what responsibility is. Does that make sense? So if you're going to respond to ability, then that's when your responsibilities begin to operate. Amen? And so we operate in the kingdom authority. We only operate within the ability that God's given us. And you can't operate in your kingdom ability without your Ability being released based on your assignment and your positioning. I believe Apostle Nazario said that, you know, you don't feel like being a police officer today, so I'm not going to operate in my authority. But guess what? By, by the volition of your vocation, you are a police officer. So therefore, you must function in authority that you've already been released to and you gave your sworn duty to uphold the law. You called. You said you are uh, uphold the law. Well, when you got saved, you gave a declaration that Jesus Christ would be your Savior. But is he your Lord today? Because being your Lord is different from being your Savior. Being your Savior, I mean, if you, if you were lost at sea and, 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 and you needed the Coast Guard to come find you and they rescued you from the, from the grips of the waters and you get back to shore and, and now you're in a hospital bed and they're sitting down and speaking to you and saying, are you okay? Now the Coast Guards are, that came by and, and those are, uh, people that came by and, and rescued you out of the water, they saved you. But you're not submitted to them. Are you? They don't show up on Monday morning and say, now here's what I want you to do for me. No, no. They, they went by their vocation, their assignment to save you. But Jesus Christ saved you as well. So that's only one characteristic of who he is to us. He redeemed you, but are you responding to what he is called to be in your life, which is not just a, a redeemer, not just a savior, but a Lord. Because you can't operate in this thing called kingdom authority if you're not submitted to the right authority. Amen? Can we go before the Lord? Amen? Father, we thank you and praise you for what you're about to do before us, your people, O oh God. We ask that you unwrap this gift of your word. Not just with eloquent speech, Father, but with strategic understanding that will cause us to operate within your purpose, your plan, and your will. Lord, I thank you and praise you, Father, that you've done it for such a time as this. Father, I don't say that because it's just in the word, but I say that because I, I understand, Father, that you're releasing some things at this particular time and season because you have a need for us to operate within your will so we can begin to function in our positions of authority and move causing, causing us, according to your word and moving us in alignment with your will tonight, today. This operation that you called us to do, Father, which is kingdom Operation, Father, operating in your kingdom, Father, you designed it for this time and this season. And so, Lord, let us hear from you this morning. I decrease that you may increase, Father. Expound upon your mysteries, Father, and reveal it unto us, Father. Lord, I bind everything that will try to distract, to hinder, and stop the word of God from being released, Father. 
I bind every wayward heart. I bind every stony heart. I bind every thorny heart, Father. And I speak over the lives of your people today, Father, that they have a heart of flesh, Father. A word, Father, that shall be able to engraft into their heart, Father, will come forth, Father, and cause them to receive some hundred, sixty, or thirty-four according to how they apply the word that's been released, Father. And I thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. The, the underpinning of every work of God is his unconditional love. Everything. Every single solitary thing that God does when it comes to his people is based on his love, which is unconditional. Amen? His love is unconditional. But I, I need to give you some things and, and I, I need to hear from God to say how he wants me to release this because God has had me all over the place since the time I left here. What I mean by that is that, is that he, he, he has flooded me so much more with what he had on top of what he had when I was here the last time that, that I'm not sure if this is actually part B and it's going to be more or not. I know I have too much to give in this setting at this time. There's more. Amen. There's more. Amen. Hallelujah. Pastor Gwen, God bless you. Wounded God, good to see you. Amen. See, you'll miss it again. Every time I say Pastor Gwen and I welcome or acknowledge the woman of God who's the mother of this house, you got to learn to clap. It's, it's, listen, listen. That's the word. The word says give honor where honor is due. And so what, what you're doing is you're recognizing that you could not be here if she has not walked along her husband in the seasons that she endured just like her husband endured. You will not be in this place today. It's hard enough to do the work of God by, your, by, by yourself if your wife is not in agreement with you or if your husband, depending upon whose, whose responsibility it is, is not in agreement with you. And you can't, you can't manage the home and the church of God too. Come on, the Bible says you've got to rule your house. He's not going to entrust you this house without ruling your own house. So when I say, Pastor Gwen, it's, it's an opportunity for you to say, you know something, I thank God for that woman of God. Because what happens is, if you don't do that, then you, you might find that there may be things that God may, may, may want to do with you, but he can't do with you because now there's areas of ought that may come into you. That's how Jezebel's spirit comes to walk in his place. Because they start seeing some things, and say, well, you know something, I, I, I think they should be done this way. So we have to always learn to check our hearts and say, you know, so I'm just going to give honor until my heart turns right. If it's not right right now, I want it to turn right. So I begin to give honor where, where honor is due because that's what your word says, God. And I'm going to honor your word, what your word says I'm going to do. Whether you know it or not, we're already in the midst of the message. Amen. Everything I said right now is about kingdom authority. Amen. Does that make sense? What I'm saying to you is I didn't come here to pity pack. And play games because, because you deserve better. I say you, I say you, now you missed another chance to clap. You, are you, you deserve better. It matters. You are the vessel that God called in this house at this specific time. Why is he saying this word for you to hear right now? That's what you need to ask yourself. Why does he want you to hear what's about to be released? 
For what purpose does he have for you? What destiny does he have for you tomorrow that he needs to get something in you today so tomorrow you can operate in a victorious manner? Amen? Amen. He has you in mind. Turn to Psalm 139, please. He's already just shifted. Just then and just there. He just shifted because that wasn't in my notes, but we got to flow with the Holy Ghost. Amen? We want to flow with the Holy Ghost this morning. Amen? Psalm 139, hallelujah, because I, I recognize that some things I may say for some people, it may be alien to them. Other people may understand it based on what they have been through in their life or based on what they've been experiencing in God. And so I need to get everybody on the same level playing ground so we can walk together. Amen. I've said before, how can two walk together unless they agree? Amen. And so in order for me to build a foundation on what I said for you to begin to trust what I'm saying is truth, I've got to give you some things that, that establish what I've said already so you can say I can go further because he's speaking truth because I see it now in the word of God. Because I can say oh, everything I'm going to say but never give you a scripture reference to say what I'm going to say and you won't know whether I'm speaking truth or not so you have to see it for yourself. Amen. So you can say I'm speaking truth. Amen. Amen. Psalm 139. Hallelujah. In Psalm 139, it says, uh, in verse 14, it says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and thy soul knoweth right well. My soul, excuse me, my substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes to see my substance, yet being imperfect, and in thy books, in thy book, in thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there were none of them. Stop right there. Verses 14, 15, and 16. That word where it says being imperfect, in verse 16, if you study it out, it actually, it actually translates in Hebrew, embryo. Yes, the same conversation we have about when does life begin, it's in the embryonic fetus state. That speaks of the word embryo. Which means that when you were in an embryo state within your mother's womb, God had already written your life in his book. He wrote your life, the span of your days, how you would live in the earth based on what he wrote in his book. So every time you begin to operate, God says, okay, let me check the book. Oh, yes, 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 you're doing it just like I asked. When you choose to be disobedient, God says, well, it's not lining up with the book. And so you want to go one way, but God said, no, I said turn left, and you keep on turning right. You're never going to get into my will by turning right. Turn left. Sooner or later, you're going to turn left, or you're going to die in that state in which you've been in. But you cannot go against the will of God and complete your life and be happy at the same time. Those things do not line up. Amen? I'm saying that because you are here based on the assignment because it was written in God's book for you to be here today. Because I just spoke it. I just showed you. In Psalm 139 verses 14, 15, and 16. Amen? So when you were in the embryonic state, God saw this day of, of, of April 6, 2014. Regardless of how old you are, God knew you were going to be here today. God knew I was going to be here. Even before I knew any of you, even before I knew Apostle Rosario, God said, okay, I need these two to connect and I need this and that and that. You know, those things have to line up. See, when you operate in the will of God, things make much, much more sense. And it's less stressful. It's less taxing. I passed a, a, a car accident on the road. I said, well, that's not for me. Keep on going. Button popped off my suit. I said, I'm not going to worry about that. It's not about a button on a suit. 
me go back home because I, I don't have a button on the suit. You can miss your assignment with things, you know, you chip nail or, or, or things that, that, that cause us in our human state to, to kind of draw back and, and stay away from the things of God because God's trying to get us someplace. But, but because of our human state, we are so sensitive to our human state that we forget about our spirit man. But if you're going to operate in your kingdom authority, you have to operate by your spirit man. You're a spirit. You possess a soul and you live in a body called an earth suit. Amen. And anyone who dies cannot stay here legally. You must leave. You cannot stay here if you are dead. Your spirit and your soul must go elsewhere based on the fact that you are now dead. The only way you can legally be here is based on your body. Did you understand that? No, what I mean is, is that I don't I, not did you understand what I said. I want to know if you know this, if you understand this. Because there are some people that are saved that are praying for dead folk. They don't know any better. Oh, I, I just hope they rest in peace. Guess what? If they made the decision on this side, they're resting in peace. If they're not, listen, it's not rip, it's trip. They tripped up on in hell. And all your praying won't change it. Because God spoke the word. And God's word will not return void. He will not lie on your account. God will not lie on your account. Because you want something. God will not lie on my account. He's not a man that he should lie. Neither is his son a man that he should repent. Amen? That's in Numbers chapter 23. Verse 19, I think. The interesting part about that scripture is that that really speaks about the children of Israel. They were lodged in, a, in an area near the Moabites. And the Moabite king was sitting down and looking at this and saying, listen, I, I know what they've done. They've wreaked some damage and some havoc. I, I need to get someone to pray against them. And so he got Balaam, a, 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 a man of God, I believe. I'm trying to still figure this out. Went to the Lord and prayed. For insight to understand whether or not this Moabite prince and those surrounding nations can come against this particular people called the children of Israel. But it's interesting because because every time this this particular man of God would go and, and go before God and he would sit down there and say, I'm only going to say what God says. Every time he would release a word, the word was for in favor of the children of Israel. Every time. And so this, this Moabite prince or king kept on trying to, he said, okay, uh, he tried the first time, it didn't work. So let me take you over here. Let's build an altar over here. Let's do it over here. He did it a second time, it didn't work. Let's do it over here. Did it a third time, it didn't work. Did it a fourth time, he said, stop. Every time I ask you to curse them, you bless them. And you're cursing me. Why am I saying that? Because there is no witchcraft spirit that can con conduct anything that you don't give place to. Amen. The word enchantment is witchcraft. Anytime you try to do something contrary to the word of God, then you understand you're operating in witchcraft. You're trying to control something that God said, I didn't give that to you to control. Are you hearing me so far? There are sacred cows that we operate with in our life and we do it through culture. I said, we do it through culture. If I say one thing right now, I bet you I'll lose most of you for the, until the end of the service. And you'll say, okay, I, need, I don't need to come back. But it'll be cultural. 
but I don't want to lose you. The souls are more important than the word. Amen. I, I hear your passion. So we can talk afterwards. But the souls are more important than the word. God loves you enough. His love for you is unconditional. And it, 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 it behooves me not to cause someone to stumble, but to bring them along. So we all can complete this assignment together. Apostle Nazario, Pastor Gwen, desires for no one to be lost. Amen. Amen. But suffice to say that we have to deal with some cultural things, some traditional things that will cause us to stumble and not move in the authority of God. Amen. I'm trying to see how God's doing this, but let's just let's just let's just do some things here. Um, let's go to Mark chapter 10, please. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit. Just just come and do your thing, please. Come and do your thing. Come and do your thing. Before we begin reading, let me let me just simply say this. This is for the scholars. Because people are at different levels. It's, it's not a disrespect. It's just there are young there are people who are young in Christ and people who are mature in Christ. So I'm going to ask a series of questions. I don't expect you to answer out loud, but just think about this for a moment. Salvation, conditional or unconditional? Love, conditional or unconditional? Authority, conditional or unconditional? Okay. Now, I told you not to answer out loud, but you all chose to answer out loud. I'm just going to simply say, I, I, ask, I, I, I preface by saying this, okay? So, so let me say this. Love is unconditional. The love of God is unconditional. Agape love is unconditional. Whether you believe it or not, you are loved unconditionally by God. You cannot earn it. You cannot take steps to get it. You cannot operate a certain way to receive it. You are loved by God no matter what you do. Hallelujah. Saints of God, salvation is conditional. Yes, it is. Even though God sent his son, Jesus Christ, as an act of unconditional love to save us, there are steps necessary for us to take which allow us to be saved. Unlike God's love, which is unconditional, meaning we receive it no matter what we do, salvation is only available by accepting Jesus Christ as your personal savior. And that is based upon accepting the truth and confessing with our mouth that he, what he did for us to save us. This is why people can go to hell and not go to heaven because they have not made the decision to receive Jesus Christ as a personal Savior and Lord. So salvation is conditional, but it's available to those that make the decision. Does that make sense? Are you with me so far? Amen. Hallelujah. Authority is conditional. Authority in God does not simply... Be uh, come because we ask for it. Our authority in God is based on our level of submission to God. Our level of submission is based on our, dis our discipline in God. Our discipline is based on our time spent before God. And our time spent before God determines our depth of knowledge about God. Our depth of knowledge about God determines how much we know God. The more we know God, the more we get, begin to love God and submit to God. And the more we submit to God, the, the greater our authority becomes. 
Notice how he becomes a psycho. Amen. I'm saying this for a reason. Because because if we don't understand that that the authority that God releases is based on conditions that we must uphold and operate under, then we can walk around thinking that everything's just good. Turn before you go into Mark, turn to uh, Revelation, please. He just shifted. So we're going to shift. You call the Holy Ghost shuffle. Everybody step left. Okay. Did I tell you what chapter to turn to? Chapter 2, Revelation, please. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to get some things in you this morning. Uh, and again, I apologize because, Apostle, this is not all going to be done today. Um, it's, it's, it's just not. It's, it's who God is. But we're going to get out what we can get out for the time he's released us to get it out. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all are quiet today. Y'all okay today? Y'all ready for the word, huh? All right. That's good. So let's go before the word of God. Let's go into Romans, excuse me, Revelation chapter two. And I just want to speak briefly in verse one up to, I don't know, till I stop. How's that? Until the angel of the Lord, excuse me, until, until the angel of the church of Ephesus. Let me just simply stop right there and pause just because I'm a teacher as well as a preacher. And I don't want to get to preach and forget to teach. An angel of the church is the pastor. So when you see here the angel of the church is writing a letter to the church, the, the, the one who is called to pastor the church. So there the church was at Ephesus and he spoke, wrote a letter to the church at Ephesus, but he wrote it specifically to the pastor. Amen. So here, who's the, who's the angel of the Lord? I mean, who's the angel of the church here? Thank you. Hallelujah. It says these things, saith the, he that holdeth the seven stars in his hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou cannot bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried that thou hast tried to them which are say they are apostles and are not and have found them to be liars and has borne and has patience for thy name's sake. For my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore. From whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do thy first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches to him that overcomes I will give eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God so what he's saying here he's saying this church operates with a certain level of authority but they lost their first love and he's saying if you don't align yourself back to your first love then you miss the opportunity to continue to operate in the authority I've given you. Saints of God, if we are going to operate in the authority of God, we must operate first with the foundation of the love of God. Because as I said, the, the underpinning of everything God does is love. 
And if we try to operate in the authority without the love, then we miss the assignment because we get so caught up and puffed up with knowledge and puffed up with what we know and what we do. And we can do this and we can do that. And God says, don't forget the first love. Are you hearing me so far? Is this making sense? Hallelujah. So let, let's, uh, I asked you to go to Mark 10 before, right? But don't, don't, give me one second. Before we go there, because I'm trying to build some things here. I'm trying to build some things here. And I just want to go out as God, the Spirit of God gives me to go. Go over to, um, oh my God. Let's go over to Mark 10 first. Let's go over there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm giving you a lot of scriptures because I want you to understand some things that God has shared with me. I'm going to begin reading me for time. I want sake. I want to begin reading. He says, and when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one. That is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy mother and thy father. And he answered and said unto a master, all these I have observed from my youth. Then Jesus beholding him loved, beholding him loved, excuse me, um, him, and saith unto him, one thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven and come and take up the cross and follow me and he was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possession and jesus looked round about and saith unto his disciples how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of god i'm going to stop right there i had a lot more there but i want to stop right there so 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 you see this is also written in luke but i wanted to show you from this particular perspective that Mark wrote, he said that, that there was a conversation going on between a, a, a ruler. Now, what you need to understand is that this was a certain young, rich ruler. He was young and he was rich. And he was a ruler. He was young, he was rich, and he was a ruler. Someone say that with me. Young, rich, ruler. You see all these reality TV shows? They're young, they're rich, and it looked like they're ruling. That doesn't give them eternal life. Don't ever think that someone's better off because of what you see in the natural. Can I go a little bit further? It says there that Jesus loved him. That love there is agape. He loved him. But he could not inherit what was available when he asked for it because he chose not to pay the price that was necessary for him. Meaning that there are some of you who will have to undo some things in your life to get to a place where God can receive you. Other things may happen on this side, other things may happen on that side. Everybody has to take something away from themselves to make room for what God has done and will do for them. Amen. You're not hearing me. Salvation is conditional. And everyone had to die to something to get here. I recognize that Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose for your justification. And there's a transfer, as Pastor Apostle Mazzaro said, of, of, of our sin for his righteousness. But you had to make a decision to receive what he did. And that decision was based on the premise that you're going to abandon all else to get him. 
Oh, you're not hearing me. You're not hearing Because some people want to be saved and keep the life they have. He died for our life. And we want to keep our junk in Jesus too. And we want to go into our destiny with authority with the junk and Jesus. It will not happen. It cannot happen. Because God spoke it. Jesus, clothed in flesh, is God, is he not? The ruler went away sorrowful, did he not? Why? Because he said you have to get rid of some stuff before you come and follow. Why? Because you will short-circuit your walk with me before even getting started. You're not hearing me. It wasn't about salvation. It was about inheritance. Every time you grow up in God, every time you wake up, God is challenging you every single day of your life to go and just basically discard everything that is not like him. He said, be holy for I am holy. What are you doing to make sure your holiness is like his? What are you throwing out that you know stinks in a stench in God's nostrils? Do you want authority in God? Do you love God? You want to be all God's call for you to be? How much is worth you? I'm talking to the room here, but I'm particularly speaking to the mature saints. This is not particularly for the young in Christ because God's going to develop you. Don't think that you have to go out there and, 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 and just, just start saying, okay, I, no, no. You have to understand that, that there's a development that has to tap, happen in your life. God will begin to speak to you. Well, let me, let me clarify this. God will speak to you about the things you have to do for yourself. And you begin to do that because God spoke to you. Now, there may be a confirming word of leadership that comes to you and helps you along the way. So let me qualify that. God bless you, when God. It's good to see you. The young in Christ need revelation from man. And confirmation from God. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Sister Latasha? We were talking after the service last time. The mature in Christ need revelation from God and confirmation from man. Because you have to learn how to hear God's voice if you're young first. And then you have to begin to apply what you hear. And so how are you going to learn except someone teach you? It's scriptural. That's why Jesus had the disciples say, teach, teach us how to pray. Because they started seeing some things that Jesus did and no one else did. Are you hearing me? So there are some of you that have only started walking with God, and and this message is a very, very, very serious and mature message. But don't take it to heart like i got to figure all this out on my own. No, God is not going to abandon you. He loves you, and he'll never leave you nor forsake you. So he'll walk you through this in your own time, in your own seasons to develop you so you can be everything God's called you to be. If you're a man, he'll call you to be a man of God. If you're a woman, he'll call you to be a woman of God. In other words, there are stages of development in God. So I might as well give this. There are five stages of development in God. Child. Amen. Son. Lord. Excuse me. Child, servant, 
Can't forget that. You're a child first, then you're a servant, then you're a son, then you're a lord, and then you're a king. Five developmental stages as you walk in God. It's not in my notes for today, but I might as well give it out because I just gave you something. If you're writing, there are five developmental stages in your kingdom walk with God. A child, a servant, a son, a lord, and a king. Now, here's the interesting thing. When you move from a child to servant, you don't stop being a child. You just add that on the foundation. When you move from servant to son, you don't stop being a servant. You just add that on the foundation. When you move from son to Lord, you don't stop being a son. You just move that and add that on to the salvation. And when you become a king, you become a king based on the foundation of the Lord, based on the foundation of the son, based on the foundation of the servant, based on the foundation of the child. Why? Because some things you have to deal with as a child, some things you have to deal with as a servant, some things you have to deal with as a son, some things you have to deal with as a Lord, some things you have to deal with as a king. Depending upon what you're dealing with. So why is child and son? What's the difference? In Jewish in, 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 the children of Israel, you have to understand a foundation. A, a child is to a son what a, a young person is to a mature adult. The sons were given responsibility, and when you were called son in your house by, by, your, by your Jewish faith, you were understanding that you were operating at a level of authority now. So when you're called a child, you're not operating as a child. Now you're operating, I mean, you're not operating as a son even though you might be a son physically. But you're not called into your sonship authority and your sonship anointing until you get to a certain level of authority. And what happens is you're a son that receives an inheritance from the father so you can begin to be able to operate in the things that the father is operating in. Are you hearing me? I'm trying to get, I'm trying to see how God's going to do this, Apostle. I, I really, I really, but there are some things I'm trying to give you. So, so I'm saying this because he was a certain ruler. And he had reached a level of lordship in what he was doing. He moved from child to servant, from servant to son, from, ser- from, from son to lord. Because the word lord is, 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 is the same as word ruler. Which means that he was now operating in his, in his natural position as a ruler. And he was still young. He was still young. And he reached a certain pinnacle in his natural life. So what Jesus said was you need to release everything you reach as a level in your natural life, life if you're going to follow me. Because that's going to cause you to believe. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. When we come to God, we must believe that he is and he is the reward of those that diligently If you're trusting on your natural substance to do what God's called you to do, you'll never operate in faith. And God needs us to operate in our faith, so he requires us to remove ourselves from the position of trusting in our natural substance. Y'all are quiet in here for me. Too quiet. I guess you're taking this in. You can never trust the arm of flesh to complete the assignment of God in your life. Amen. Philippians 1 and 6 says, He who has become a good work in you, he'll be faithful to complete until the day of Jesus Christ. But you won't know if he completes it if you're not looking at him as he's completing and giving you a word to, to move and operate in his will. 
Because you're looking at your substance. Remember I said before, it wasn't about your financial responsibilities to try to get into that place, though there is a requirement for that, but that's not what this is all about. It's about your, it's your positioning in, in, a, in a spirit. So, 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 so then what I'm saying, therefore, is that, is that God needs to elevate you to a level that when you go into that space, and I, I don't know if you were listening, but I heard Apostle say, and I also heard Brother Nate say, no, Brother Nate was not Nate today, he was Nathan, because I told him, you operate as Nathaniel, because Nathaniel's a prophet! And he said, I'm going to speak prophetically and speak over this house. I'll take authority. I'll take my authority. And I'll profess that we will be in a place because I see something in his spirit. Now, if you're spiritual, you see a shift in people every now and then. What it shows you is what he's about to become. Whenever he begins to work in the fullness of that. But God is growing him up just like he's growing you up, just like he's growing me up. Yeah, amen. Amen? amen? So what you heard was from a prophet of God speaking into this house. Which means that it's good to know that you only saw have an apostle, a pastor, and a prophet in the house. Oh, come on, somebody. Amen. I know you got an evangelist in the house because Dick and Dennis can't stop but talk about Jesus every place he go. I know you got a teacher, Minister McDowell, and Brother Lewis can't talk about anything but teach. He want to teach until, until your ass fall off because there's so much in him. Yeah. So what you have to understand is that God brought you into a house with the fivefold ministries already set in place so you can do what God's called you to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Hallelujah. I I said this before. Um, I said that Jesus came to do three things. Save, enable, and equip. You remember that? So, so if you look back in Mark chapter 10, you saw that he, he, the reason why, why, why he could not move forward is because he said he didn't say you couldn't be saved he said you could not enter the kingdom of god did you see that he said you could not enter the kingdom of god but what does that mean well you need to go to john chapter three to see that because in john chapter three he has a conversation with nicodemus and Nicodemus is talking about everything that Jesus did. He sees him walking in authority. He starts talking to him about that. And he says, verily, verily, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Amen? But then he goes on in verse 5 and says, you must be born of water and of spirit to enter into the kingdom of God. Well, what does that mean? That means that you cannot move in your kingdom authority until you actually enter in. It, if you, thank you. Verily, 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 I stand to thee, except the man be born of water. And of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom. This word spirit speaks about Holy Spirit. And so when you begin to see that, you begin to understand that Jesus Christ was not going to give this young, certain ruler authority in the kingdom because he's operating on a natural level. And if he gave him authority operating on a natural level, it's like giving a loaded gun to a baby. Sooner or later, it's going to go off. 
So, so, so when we give out authority, when God gives out authority, when, when authority comes, it's not going to be laid upon someone who's haphazard and mishandling it. Are you hearing me? But I want you to know that, that if God's releasing this word in his house, he's readying you for the authority to walk in. And he's readying you because of the assignment that's in front of you. Are you hearing me, brother? This is making sense to you. There's an assignment on your life. As a matter of fact, there's an assignment on each and every one of your lives. God has it for you. You're written in this book, are you not? Who's written in this book? Let me see a show. If you're written in this book, let me see a show of hands. Guess what? Whether you're saved or not, he's still written, you're still written in his book. You know, people die in sin that were written in his book. You missed it. You missed it. It doesn't matter whether you're written in his book or not. It matters, but it doesn't matter if and based on yourself. Your salvation doesn't happen based on being written in his book. It's based on you submitting. The greater the authority, the greater the submission. The greater the authority, the greater the submission. Could I, could I give you a little? I'm going to part of my sister right here because she knows this already. It's easier to submit than it is to lead. It's easier to submit than it is to lead. You're in the front line when you're leading. Stepping out on faith. See, all you've got to do is follow what the man of God says. But what happens when, he, when God begins to pull you up and say, I need you to go out? Now you've got to step out on faith and trust everything that has been spoken to you from the time up to that point till now. See, you don't, you don't understand. I don't stand here by myself. This is not Pastor Eugene Mingo. I'm the sum total of the parts that have been released inside of me over the years that you're hearing from. That's where we get in there. We get in sense. Oh, man, this is me. You like this? No, that ain't you. Especially not before you were saved. So what I'm saying to you is that it's easier to submit than it is to lead. That's why people get comfortable with their place of submission than they do in leading. All the while trying to take authority over the position of leadership if they don't have their mind right. Okay, 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 watch this. Every one of you did it. Every single one of you did it. Someone say, prove it. Prove it. Oh, come on, y'all got to flow. <laughs> How many could not wait to become adults? Enough said. I can't wait. Oh, man. Oh, man, I can't wait. I can't wait. Who wants to go back? (laughs) Every one of us. Brandon, your little son, probably taking over the house right now. Congratulations, man of God. I, I just got on Facebook. Now, now I'm not, I, I'm not, I, I'm not. In, was that April Fool? Watch this! Watch this! Watch this! 
the fool's on you because you can't mess with me. Congratulations. The Bible says that God will give you over to your own delusions. <laughs> Woohoo! Woohoo! But anyway, what I was saying was, was, was that, you know, come on, we all, when we were young, I can't wait. Especially if you were the youngest out of your siblings. Oh, come on, somebody. Oh, yeah, see? Now I know who the babies are in the family. See? So what I'm saying is that it's, it's, that in, it's inherent to our human nature. But if you understand in the spirit, then we understand that, listen, this walk of us, we're walking with, we have to operate within a kingdom of God. We have to wait for God to release some things. I'm trying to get to a scripture. I've got, I got to get to the scripture because everything I'm saying is, is founded within a scripture. So let me, let me find exactly which one. i got so many scriptures here, Apostle. I'm telling you, my God, my God. It's this thing, I wrote a book and I don't know where to go. Is that it? Yes, that's it. Turn to Matthew, Matthew 16. I don't know how I could remember that. Matthew 16. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit and iPad, man of God. Both of them. Because I had to go to the iPad. Verse 13, can you start there, please? Hallelujah. It says, when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked the disciples, saying, Whom do men say that, the son of, that, I, am, that I, the son of man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, also termed Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He says unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, blessed art thou son, uh, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. But I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will build, excuse me, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time forth, someone say from that time forth, began Jesus to show unto his disciples how he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders of the, and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again on the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, that, uh, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned, he being Jesus, and said unto Peter, Get thee behind thee, Satan, thou art an offense unto me. For thou savest not the things that be of God, but those that be of man. Did you see that? Did you see that? Amen? Continue. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man come after me, let him what? Deny himself and do what? Take up his cross and do what? Follow me. Hallelujah. Let's go on. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of the Father with his angels, and then shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto thee, 
unto you. There shall be some standing which shall not see or taste death until the Son of Man comes into his kingdom. So, so, so you, you have to understand some things there. It wasn't until the revelation of Jesus being in Christ came that, that, that Jesus began to tell disciples that you shall now have the power to what? Loose and bind. Why? Why? Because they have to first have insight into seeing what's in the kingdom first. Because you can't bind what God has not. In order for you to bind what God, what, what is already bound, you have to see what's bound in heaven. Saints of God, God operates in heaven, but he's called us to operate here. We are made in his likeness and his image, are we not? Which means we're made after the similitude of God, which means that before we fell, we had the responsibility in the earth to do everything that God called us to do in the earth. And everything that walked upon this earth, we were Lord over. Are you understanding that? Everything that was in this earth, we had control. Every single solitary thing that was in this earth, we had control over. And Satan came into the serpent and deceived the shroud of darkness, the woman. And she, along with her husband, ate of the forbidden fruit. Why? Because they partook of the forbidden fruit. They moved from the position of authority. So now they were submitted to the very one that they submitted to. When you submit once, you're submitted. When you submit once, you're submitted. When they did that, they now flipped the script. And now Satan, who was not in position of authority, was now the authority and they were the ones that were submitted. That's why Jesus, um, that's why God came down and said, Adam, where are you? Not geographically, but spiritually, where are you in your lordship? Because where you were the head, oh my God. I just saw this. Okay, let me say this to you. There are celestial orders in the kingdom. I said this last time, right? Celestial orders. Meaning that there are, are hosts or entities or beings, if you will, that operate in different levels of authority. Amen? Are you hearing me? So, so the celestial orders that we, we're going to talk about just briefly, I'm just going to put these, the seraphims. The seraphims are above the thrones. And they cry, holy, holy. Isaiah chapter 6 talks about this. Then you have, hallelujah, you have the cherubims. The cherubims is just like the cherubim that was holding a flaming sword that when he was told to go outside of Eden, he and his wife, that there was a flaming sword with the cherubims so that whichever way you try to get in, you'll be sliced to oh my, the smithereens. Amen? Why? Because Eden represents the presence of God. It represents paradise. And the cherubims on either side, the cherubim sit on either side of the throne of God. This is the presence. These are the cherubims. Here's the seraphims. Amen? So now you got the seraphims, you got the cherubims. They have the throne, which is the next level. Are you following me? The throne is the next level. Amen? Hallelujah. And then after the throne, and by the way, the cherubims, you'll find in Ezekiel, you'll find them in Genesis, you'll find them in Psalm chapter 99, verse 1. It talks about that the Lord, the Lord reigns and lets people tremble. He sits between the cherubims. Amen? Amen? Psalm 99, verse 1. Whoever's taking notes. Isaiah 37, verse 16 says the same thing. Ezekiel, the whole chapter, 10. Take a look at that. Then you had the thrones. The thrones are spoken about as well. Amen? 
You see that in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. Amen. Thrones of dominions, principalities, and powers. It says, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions, principalities or powers. All things were created by him and what? For him. For him. For him. They were created by him or for him. Amen? Are you following so far? Okay? Then on top of that, you had the principalities, the powers, you had the rules and the spirits. I went to Ephesians chapter 6 last time. Amen? Why am I saying that? Because you have to understand that there are certain heavens. There are, there, there are three heavens and there's the earth. The first, the second, the third heaven. Is this all right, Apostle? I know I'm going deep in this. This is all right. Amen. There are three heavens. The first, the second, and the third heaven. Amen. The first sphere, the second sphere, or the third sphere of heaven. Sphere. 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 S-P-H-E-R-E. Amen. The, the third sphere is where God's throne is. Amen. Then below that, you have the, uh, some of those. First of all, the, the seraphims and the cherubims and the thrones are in the in, in that top sphere because that's where God's throne is. And then you, then you, have, then you have the principalities and you, you have the powers and then you have the rulers and you have the wicked spirits. Now there's a conversation going on about whether there's nine orders or eight orders of celestial body because some talk about the might which talks about strongholds and that can be uh, interpreted or not. Let me ask you something. How many people studied? How many people got ready for today? Remember I said last time I was here I said now, now, now I want you to go back and study. Listen to the word. Go back and double check to find out whether I'm right or wrong. Amen? How many studied? Amen. Amen. Father, for those who study, Father, give them the ability to receive the more so. Extra credit in the spirit of God. Those who, do, who didn't study, Father, give them the grace to go back and study so they can be ready for what God's about to do as they transition from one place to another place. Let them be ready to move by the word of God, by the will of God. Lord, I thank you right now, Lord, that you're causing, it, oh my God, explosion in the hearts and the minds of your people. That each one will get hold of everything that they've been, oh my God, apprehended for. And they have pressed into this thing so much, Father, that they should see an explosion on every side. Oh my God, that, that sound you have, you Father, shall be an explosion for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Every time I, uh, Apostle Zara, I keep on seeing a tree and I keep on seeing the root system. And I see the root system keep on expanding. Now you preached on trees last year sometime. And how trees communicate one another and they communicate back and forth. Yes, I listen to my apostle. I go back and I hear from him. I don't have to be in here to hear what he's saying. He said trees communicate with trees and sell one another where there's water. You remember that? You better remember that. You better be listening. I'm going to come back and test you. Find out if you're listening. Hallelujah. Because you can go through a season of drought if you're not listening to another tree. I said it. Because God said it. You can go through a season of drought if you're not listening to another tree. God will send trees your way. Hallelujah. I see an expansion of root system. So you have to understand this. So, 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 so I said something. Let's go to Revelation chapter 12. I'm going to begin reading for, for lack of time. I'm going to start at verse 5, but you want to really read from verse 1 to verse 9. But it says, And she brought forth a child, man-child, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up into God, into his throne. And a woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared of God. 
that she should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought with and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was there a place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world, was cast into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So you ask, well, you know, where did Satan go? Satan went into the earth. Well, 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 well. Okay, he's here. But he was here under the lordship of Adam. He was cast out. You hear this, Sister Sheila? Satan was cast out and sent down here. And when we succumbed to the deception of Satan, we now became submitted to Satan. So there was a celestial order and we had the order in the earth and we flipped the order in the earth. So why am I talking about kingdom authority? Because you don't come back into your order properly until you begin to sub, uh, sub, uh, uh, submit to the last Adam, which is Jesus. When you get saved, you get in a position. But salvation is only the entrance. You don't move in that great authority by simply going in. You must move into a level of submission to get into a greater degree of authority. Are you hearing me? I'm trying to give you something because I recognize that I'm not going to be able to give this all in. And I'm asking God, God, how do you want me to say this to him for them just to simply get it? There is so much scriptures that speak about authority. So let's turn to Jeremiah chapter. Oh, my God. Ten. Hallelujah. Are you getting anything out of this today? Is this too much? As, as you turn to the I'm going to say this. <clears throat> God operates in set time. He operates in set time, which, which, is, which is why you need to understand that the reason why you're not in that place is because it's not the set time yet. Uh, you, you, you have to understand. There, there's a set time. Sarah conceived at the set time that God, he said, this time next year, you shall be with a son. Amen. There's a set time. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What did I ask you to turn to? Are you there? Okay. Let me get there. Let me get there. Hallelujah. Oh, my God. Jesus. Man, Apostle, when I ride on this iPad, I don't, I don't know how far I'm going. And so I just keep on scrolling. I didn't realize it was this long. Go to Jeremiah chapter 1. I'm sorry. <clears throat> so I, I, need, I need to give you the strategy on how to begin to operate in your kingdom authority before I leave out of here today. I need to give you the strategy. This is whether you're young or whether you're old. It doesn't matter who you are. When you are saved, this is your strategy. Say, this is my strategy to begin to walk in my authority. Now, whether you're young or old, you have even the smallest amount of authority. 
When a child is born, a child can raise his hand and put his hand down, raise his head. You see how a child develops? Come on. Brandon, you know, so the child begins to develop and you wait for a certain stage. The child raises his head. Wow, he raised his head. He nailed it. He raised his head. You know, parents get excited about, oh, he's crawling. He's walking. His first steps. God gets excited about your first steps. Oh, come on. Y'all got, y'all can give a, God, God loves y'all. He, he's excited about your first steps. In Jeremiah chapter 1. It says this, then the Lord put his hand forth, put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Amen. You see that? Who's he talking to? He's talking to Jeremiah. He put his words in his mouth. You see that? How many people have the Lord's word in their mouth today? How many people have the Lord's word in their mouth today? How many people have the Lord's word? Do you have the Lord's word in your mouth today? Do you have the Lord's word in your mouth today? You know how you get the Lord's word in your mouth? You got to read. If, if, if you're not feeding on this, start with just one scripture. Start with just one. Make it your scripture. Make it your scripture. You might not want to start with, I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who strengthens me, because then you have to go through some things that. <laughs> Whatever you begin to make it your own, you will experience that. You cannot be more than a conqueror until you conquer some things and find out what the more looks like. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So, so I'm just simply saying that start with something like Psalm chapter 1. That's really good. Amen. Psalm one is really good because it starts to talk about things like like, you know, I'll be like a tree planted by the river of the water. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't give give way to people who who are sitting and scornful and sinners and all that junk. I call it junk. Now, you have to say something. I respect. And let me say this. I, I need to say this to you. When I said Legion was a punk last time, I wasn't disrespecting the authority that they walk in. When you are in warfare, ex- recognize that you must respect your enemy. If you do not respect your enemy, then you will underestimate and be overtaken. When I said Legion was a punk, I was not disrespecting who Legion was in the spirit. Because... There is an authority that they walk in because someone is not saved. And so legion can be legion over them. And so therefore they're not a punk because they can overtake someone. So I didn't want us to walk around after like, you know, this is no big deal. Listen, it is all a big deal. Souls weighing the balance. Lives are hanging in the balance for you to operate at a level of authority and not operate so, so in, in such a way as no big deal. This is why my sister said, you know, go, Pastor, go. And, and I appreciate I, I appreciate that. I, I appreciate that. It, it, it encourages me. But I need to recognize that if, 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 I, if I destroy people through the process, what good have I done? Amen? What kind, of, what, kind of, what kind of man of God would I be if I'm going to God's people and destroying them? Say, God, how you like that? Excuse me? 
I don't ever want to go before God and find out I destroyed something. And in my younger, listen, I already know I've done it through the years. I ask God, forgive me. We all have. Come on. But God forgave us in our zealousness, just like he forgave Peter and Paul. Come on, Peter sliced off the guy's ear. Come on, at least I didn't take God, you don't hear God, then you don't need that ear. You know, at least I didn't start sliding off. But he did in the, in the garden, didn't he? Come on, we're in that season right now. Sliced off man's ear. And Paul just persecuted the whole church. He just wreaked havoc. They're mean at two, five, six white places. Come on. Next you see a whole bunch of people. We're taking old prison. And the one in charge, as he was going about his way, on the road to Damascus, noonday, a bright light at noonday shows up. You missed it. Jesus is the light of the world. Which means he's brighter than the sun. Do you know if God showed up, the sun will cast a shadow? Jesus showed up and, and here's Paul looking at or Saul looking at the sun and said, can I look, excuse me, you're blocking the sun, you're too bright. <laughs> Amen. Is this good for you, sister? I'm trying to give you a, a glimpse of things. That's how my mind works when I read the Bible. Man, I, I, I feel the wind blow. I hear tumbleweed moving across. I, I mean, I'm, I'm serious. Brother Julio, my stuff, my, my stuff be popping off in my mind. I need someone like Brother Nate. Ray, I need download in your mind so you can begin to express it, man. Because I love when Brother Nate get up here, man. This is a whole different thing. Yeah. And he has to be like, oh, I got to contain myself. I got to contain myself. You know, you know what you see? See, someone walking in authority by being submitted. He said, I have liberty because I know my, my apostles give me liberty, but, but I also recognize. And so on. that's authority. Come on. Come on. Where did I ask you to go? Where was I going? Oh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1, right? You know, now I know how those other preachers used to do this apostle because I used to have people stand up in the ministry and, and give some powerful words. And they were like, where were we going? I'd be like, if you don't know where you're going, how are we going to get there? <laughs> so, so I stopped at verse 9, but I want to continue reading. It says here, because I only had verse 9, it says, See, I have this day set thee over nations and over kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down, to build and to plant. You see that? He said, I put a word in your mouth. I put a word in your mouth. I put a word in your mouth. With that word I put in your mouth, here's what I want you to do. I set you over nations, over kingdoms, to do what? To root out. To do what? To pull down. To do what? To destroy. To throw down. Now, now, now here's, here's why it's a set time. Because the last two parts of that do not correspond with the first two. Four parts destruction, two parts building. Did you catch that? 
I think I said this before, but it bears repeating. We want to go into a place and build, but we have to first learn how to do warfare. We have to learn how to root out. We have to learn how to pull down. We have to learn how to destroy, and we have to learn how to throw down. But when I was coming up, man, you know, back when I was out there, man, they used to say throw down. We're going to throw down. And I think it was just the person who started that probably was a prodigal son that came, kind of ran from church and got into some problems and said, well, we're going to throw it out. I said, what are you talking about, man? Let's just fight, man. No, that's what I said. We're going to throw it out. He said, who, who brought this one? Even prodigals, I don't know what it is, man. Just, we're going to throw it out. Once that word goes in, you're going to rise up sooner or later, no matter where you are. But here's what I wanted to show you. So, so you see those four things. There is an importance to planting and building, building and planting, but the throwdown, the destroying, the pulling down, and the rooting out. I said last time that God operates in order, right? Yep. I'm going to close with this so you can see this. Amen? I want you to see this. There's four assignments after he puts the word in Jeremiah's mouth, who, by the way, is a child. At this time, he was a child. And he told the child, don't look at the adults and be afraid of their faces. I have put a word in your mouth. And I have caused you to come and overthrow nations, kingdoms. This day, to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build and to plant. Do you see that? Now, why is that important? Let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll close with this. Keep that up there. Please, keep that scripture up there, because I want to correspond the two. Last time I was here, we jumped into this. Oh, my God. Last time I was here, we jumped into this. We talked about the Spirit of the Lord upon Jesus Christ. Amen? And we talked about, you know, back in Luke 4, right? We talked about that, right? Amen. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. Apostle, there's too much here. My God, there's too much here because God just showed me something. And, 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 and But I said, I want to close with this. But this, my God, there's too much here. There's too much here. So go to Ephesians chapter six, verse 12 says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Amen. We see that, right? We spoke about this last time, right? We wrestle against what? What else? Yes. What else? Amen. And I said to you last time that that represented the order. Amen. Of the demonic host. Where did the demonic host come from? They came from the third of angels that were cast out of heaven. Amen. We saw that when we read Revelation chapter 12. And we tie us all together, right? So Satan and the third of the angels came and went down. They were angels. They were not thrones. They were not cherubims. They were not seraphims. They were not. Come on. They were angels. Amen. They were not thrones. They were not cherubims. They were, not, they, they were angels. They were not thrones. They were not cherubims. They were angels. They were angels. A third of the angels. That's important to see. Which means they operate at a lower level than the cherubims, operate at a lower level than the thrones, operate at a lower level than the seraphims. They were angels along with Satan. Satan was an archangel, but the rest of them were just angels. Amen? You got this, brother? Satan, 
was Lucifer, and he was an archangel. His assignment was to do praise and worship and worship the king. Amen? You got that? He was an archangel. His name was Lucifer. It meant light. And he had all of these arrangements on him, man. He was so beautiful. And he had pipes coming out of him and everything else. And he was just, come on, we didn't need, he was just praising God. Oh, God, I was thinking about this last night, Apostle. I, I had to go say this to God. This is so awesome. I was reading, reading what, I, I think it was Ezekiel 18 or something. And I was looking at the, the, the description of the, the, the seraphim. I was like, my God, Jesus, you're awesome. God, you're awesome. He started talking about what he does in his awesome nature. We think the earth is awesome. When you get up in heaven, my God, stuff is just going to blow your mind. He's all uh, pipes and everything else. Uh, it's just ridiculous. God just, just pimps out the angels, man. I'm, I'm, I'm doing that for my, 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 my brothers that are, you know, on that level, you know. They got this thing go pimp out the right. God, God, you know, you know what I'm saying? Is that real? Is that all right, Brother Nate? He's probably like, don't, don't associate with me, man. Don't. <laughs> I'm telling you. I said it before. God, God, we do something just awesome. When you read this, you're just like, God, you're ridiculously awesome. He's just awesome. I had to go to sleep. I was too hyped. I was like, I put my head under the pillow. I said, come on, go to sleep, go to sleep. Remember last time I told you we read the Bible, like, during noonday? I read the Bible, I'm like, God, you're awesome. I get exhausted. And so, and so I looked at this. And, and, so, and so he was Lucifer, and he just played for God. And then he got, he got so arrogant, he thought he could make his throne above God. And, and next thing you know, he's trying to get people to, uh, rather, beings, entities, to come, come and conspire with him. And that was not going to happen. So you see, back in Revelation chapter 12, that Mark, uh, Michael the archangel had a war with him. Threw him out. Right? Where did he go? He went into the earth. The principality, the powers, rulers, and the wicked spirits were cast into the earth. They were here before man fell. Guess what? They were submitted to man because man was over the earth. God made heaven and the earth. But he said, man, I'm here, placing you here to guard it and keep it. And I'm going up in heaven. You know what God showed me, woman of God? You can't speak a word without breathing. Now, you know why I like that? Because God breathed into me the breath of life. So every time I speak, I exhale God. Every time I say, I take my rightful authority in the name of Jesus, I cast you out in the name of Jesus. It's exhaling God on that situation. He put a word in Jeremiah's mouth and said, when you speak, I'm going to exhale out of your nostrils and speak like I'm speaking. This is why they say in verse 13, 14, 15, don't turn to put on the full armor. Because if you put on God's armor and you speak God's word, 
they do not see God. They don't see you any longer. They see God every place they look. It's like God gets off off his throne, begins to flex his muscles and begins to talk about what's going to happen and how it's going to go. Hallelujah. Pick that up for me, please. Every time you walk in more authority with God, you begin to like matrix. Flex. Neil bumped into that man. He began to get a revelation of who he was. And he jumped inside that spirit and flexed. And the thing flooded. And all the other ones said, You didn't know that Matrix was on the premise of, of, of the word of God. I don't like to promote movies. I'm not trying to promote that. But I'm simply saying that some people get a glimpse of God and they try to interpret the way they want to interpret. It may not all be scriptural, but I understand what they were trying to convey in the process. That's why they had Trinity called Trinity. Neo, move the words around, means one. They don't know what they're doing. They're operating in Hollywood. But, you know, they still try to get the word across. God will use whatever he wants to use. He called a donkey to talk to a prophet who wouldn't listen to reason. So you hear what I'm saying? When we begin to operate, tying this situation, God wants us to what? Speak over nations and kingdoms. Based on our authority. Based on where we are with God. For Jeremiah, it was nations and kingdoms. For someone else, it may be a neighborhood. Are you getting this? There are principalities over this region that you in this church will need to function, operate, say, no, not here anymore. I am the law and I speak God over this situation. So I will root out principalities. I will pull down powers. I will destroy rulers of darkness. And I will throw down wicked spirits. Did you see that? You tie the instructions that Jeremiah was given to the instructions that Paul released in Ephesians to the church at Ephesus. And you begin to understand that when we tie this together, this thing works. How do you do it? Speaking the word. Speaking the word. Prayer changes everything. Power of the spoken word. You know I got the name of my church? Because I was in prayer and God says spoken word of God ministries. Where nations gather and God speaks. Amen. You are operating under an assignment. And the more you grow in the authority of God, the more you're Expanse happens. I keep on saying I see a tree and I see the root system. It started as a small little tree, but that root system begins to expand and begin to expand. Why? Taking over territory. Till when? Occupy until he comes. Yeah.